Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. All right. So this week, I am super excited to have Jacqueline Davis with me. And I she is one of those people that I have to say, she has so much energy in her body <laughs> that I don't even know how she sleeps at night. So I'm super excited to, to have you. And I'm so happy at the at the work that you're doing in the school district. So but I normally start off and just ask people, um, how did you get to where you are? So first I have to say, I rarely sleep at night. I don't know how I have so much energy because of that. <laughs> that so, makes sense now. Yeah. So I was a teacher for nine years, mainly in Tracy. And then I, I had gotten my administrative credential knowing at some point I wanted to be a school administrator, but not until my kids were out of the house. And then all of a sudden, in about 2014, I felt like I was ready for growth, for change. And so I said, I'm going to just start looking. I absolutely love being a classroom teacher. I love my job. I love my district, but I'm going to look, which is a good place, you know, good way to look at it as opposed to being miserable and trying to get out. So I applied for a vice principal position within Manteca Unified School District, and I got it. I was the vice principal for at uh, a school, a large, uh, diverse K-8 school, actually in Weston Ranch, for three years. And then the principal made the decision to retire. I made the decision to apply, and I fortunately got the position at the same site, which is a blessing because I knew the staff, I knew the culture, I knew the climate, um, I knew the families. And so I, I became the site principal where I sat for four years, very happily crazy busy, just, but I love it. Very uh, multifaceted, loved it. But I got wind that my district was going to be doing some restructuring. This was around February and that a new position was going to be created, the coordinator of equity and access. Well, when you're a very happy principal, but you're passionate about certain things, you you absolutely are interested. And so I the board had to approve it. It went before our school board, I believe, in March and April. And then once it opened, I applied, did my research, and made and, and I got the position. And so, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Coordinator of equity and access. Correct. So tell us what that means. Like what do you what are you yeah. what do you do? I do. Okay. So I, I do a lot, as do other people within my district. But if you look at the formal job description or the things that I'm I'm responsible for, I have oversight over Manteca Unified's migrant education program. And so we have students who live in the migrant camps in French camp. I oversee that fam- that program. And I we have an Indian education program. I oversee that program. I coordinate, along with others within my district, um, we work on um, social emotional supports for our students. So looking at our TK6 based curriculum in SEL, our uh, 7 through 12 SEL curriculum, and making certain that if sites and or teachers are not trained, 
that we provide the training for them, whether it's coming out to their sites or I've created like a little training module that they can get in and log in. And then just looking at resources that sites need to support the students. And it's amazing. I have, there's another uh, teacher on special assignment that uh, works alongside me and she's amazing. So it's not just a one person, you know, position. That part of it is not just one person. Um, I, on a regular basis, actually on a monthly basis, I'm pulling discipline data. I'm looking at suspensions and I highlight um, based upon gender, ethnicity, all of those good things. And then I share them with that data. I look at it, obviously, make some highlighting things. I highlight some uh, points that stand out. Um, that are inequitable, for example, and then I send those over to my executive directors. And then if they need to follow up with certain administrators where there seems to be like a pattern of something going on, um, then that is looked at. And then right now I'm working with the Manteca Unified Student School Board members because some of our, um, well, all, at all of the high schools, there was some frustration with the dress code. Some of the students feel as though it's sexist. Some of the students feel as though it's outdated. And so I've been working with the students. They've been leading. It's been actually really empowering. They have been, our executive director asked all of the high school principals to work with their student board members to lead interactive meetings at their sites. And so it's not just adults dictating a program. It's watching these young adults grow as leaders. And so I've been able to attend all of those. And then now what's going to happen starting next week We will take all of the information from the different sites that the students have collected, and then we are pulling sample board policies. We are going to be looking at some proposed changes to the verbiage in the policy, and then hopefully in the month of December, we'll take those changes before our school board to see if some of these changes that we feel need to happen, happen. I just got finished working on um, looking at our retention policy. So doing some work on that. I have had like teachers know. So if there's some situate or administrators, excuse me, if there's, there's been an instance that came up recently where a teacher, a parent reached out to her and expressed that, well, she asked, what are you going to be teaching for Thanksgiving? She's a Native American mom, and she was heavily offended by what the teacher was going to be instructing on. And so I worked with her. And we have outreach assistants in our district. We have one that works at the district level, and there's four sites that have hired outreach assistants, and they're working on bridging the parent onto the campus. And so I oversee our outreach assistants, and I I do a lot more, and it's not escaping me right now, but... Wow, well, that's that's enough. It's really that's enough to keep you busy. That's an understatement. Yeah, quite a bit. But I love it. Oh, oh my gosh, I neglected to mention that I oversee our equity task force. God, that just got started. I'm super excited. So a few years pre-COVID, my executive director of elementary education indicated the district was going to be starting an equity task force. And I said, you know, I have to be on it. And she said, of course. We had one meeting with an equity consultant and then COVID hit and we just, we, last year was just so unique. And so one of the things that I get the honor of doing is um, overseeing our equity task force. We sent out the application. Um, It was open for about three and a half weeks. We, and I'm super excited. We now have 21 people on this task force comprised of 
classified staff, certificated staff, students, community members, and parents. And then our first official meeting with our task force will be on November 30th. And we're going to develop an action plan and do great work and look at data and all the good things. So that I'm excited about. See, you can feel the energy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, you know, best for last. That's what how it goes. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, I've seen there's a lot of the position that you are in. I see a lot of districts in academia creating positions that are taking on these types of functions. Do you, you know, and it sounds like, I mean, with all of the things that you're doing and the areas of responsibility, there's no lack of things to do. What do you think, you know, what kind of a difference does kind of pulling this position make, do you think, as as you go forward? Right. I think it speaks volumes. Um, I, I, as a district, I should say, I was, our, I'm in a, I, I work for an amazing district. And sometimes what you see, Melissa, is there are teachers, students, parents feel as though things need to happen. And then the district is like, no, 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 no. Our school board, two of our school board members actually started doing equity work a few years ago. Then they came on to a campus to do some training on equity and they, they, they selected my campus because it was so large and diverse. And, and then it was the school board that decided to create this position, which is a great place to be because I don't have to beg or fight or like, let's, we need to, they already know that it needs to be done. And so there's such power in that. And really the goal is what needs to happen for each individual student if we're looking at data, if we're knowing, if we know our kids by name, if we know our kids by needs, and we're not just generalizing, it's just like an instruction. You teach a lesson, not everybody's going to get it. Melissa's going to get it the first time, maybe. I might get it the second time. So-and-so might need it the 30th. I don't know, but we, we have to identify what our kids need. And so when you have a system that knows that and is focusing on it, and that's the message that's being reinforced, it's a great place to be because they just it just support, they support my work as I'm supporting our students. Well, and how simple is that? It's like, we need to find out what our kids need. I know, I know. Every unique child has a need. And that's what we say. And it's, and I also, one of the other things I'm over is our, newly over is our uh, PBIS program, which is our positive behavioral interventions and support. So that's another thing too, but, and it's not just academic. There's that social emotional piece. Mm-hmm. There's the behavioral piece. If students are hungry, stressed, if somebody has just died, they're not learning. And so all of the steps that we're taking, and that's the part of knowing the whole child so that we can support them so that they can learn what they're supposed to learn. And so all I of these components that. that we're putting together, and it's a work in progress. I just, my first official date was July 1st, you know, and the, the to-do list is huge, but the whole system knows that's what we're working on we're going in that direction for our individual students. That's fantastic. So so what do you think some of the most significant challenges are that you've seen so far or maybe? I can, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I'll say probably time. I think that right now, what we're, we're rolling out a whole multi-tiered systems of support district-wide. We're doing some really great, amazing, hard work. Teachers are tired. Educators are tired. Coming, it's COVID, it's stressful. And then 
across our United States, not just Manteca Unified, not just Tracy Unified, not just the Central Valley, not just California, student behaviors are, are absolutely up. They just are because our students have been at home for almost two years. And so you have fifth grade students who socially are third grade students. You have ninth grade students who are socially seventh grade students. On top of it, there's the academic learning loss. And so you have you 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 have people that are working so hard still in the midst of a pandemic. If you think about it, we are back on campus, but we're 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 trying to support our students and our teachers with with everything. So wow, time and stress, and it's it's a lot. It's a lot. What do so are there things that parents, students, teachers can do? I mean, and this is more of a broad question, not specific to to the district, but I mean, you as an educator, and certainly you've operated in an administrative capacity and in so many areas, you work in the community. Are there things you think people can do to help? We can. So in one of the structures that we're rolling out is we're calling access time. And so built into every K through eight campuses day is a time where it's, it's, it's like an intervention, but we're trying to be preventative. And so if teachers are we're working on essential standards, obviously, that's what we're teaching. But if we're identifying that students are behind in certain areas, we're trying there's designated time during the day within the classroom that we're supporting our students. We have Valley community counselors. We have some of the campuses have Victor wraparound services. We notice if students have some behavioral concerns, we'll work with them in social skills groups. And um, so it's trying to, it's looking at utilizing our data to look at what our students need and then trying to provide those supports with all hands on deck during the school day. And then our T, excuse me, our 7th through 12th grade curriculum has a parent component that's built in. And that, so just say, for example, a parent is, our student is vaping or they're doing exhibiting some form of a behavior. There is a component that the parents can access at home. That's that whole parent partnership piece. If they communicate with us and we know what's going on, then we can say, let's be pro- be proactive to support the student. I really think that it's, it's a constant reminder that it's, we're not in it alone. An individual teacher is not in it alone. And I know it does seem easier said than, dead, be, dead, than done because people are stressed, they're exhausted, but it's, it's a constant reminder that we're in it together. The district is here to support our sites. The work is still there and it's still hard, but, um, and then just to communicate to parents that what, if they're communicating with us, then we can, whatever supports we have on campus or that we know of within the community, we can refer them to. So it, it just, it, and I know it's hard because people are, are panicked and they're tired and they're stressed. But, yeah. But it, yeah. Yeah. We need that. We need the teachers need that breath, just like, you know, the yeah. students need the healing, right? And we, and ironic that you say that because when I was at my principal at Great Valley, we, we had consultants come in and do training. We had trauma informed training. And now the, the consultants that we worked with are supporting my district, district wide. And so we started the year off with a social emotional training um, on trauma, trauma responsive, responding to trauma informed schools or becoming trauma informed schools. And when my site, I brought it to my site, there was that component where we worked on the breathing exercises and the yoga poses and, and the importance of taking a few moments to focus on wellness 
when you're transitioning, if they're coming in from recess, give them a few minutes to breathe, do the exercises. If they're energetic, they're specific um, exercises. And so I did those as principals at my staff meetings because I wanted to model what they should model within their classrooms. And I would often have teachers that would volunteer to lead it to their peers for those that were a little hesitant. But we're also bringing those things at the district level, focusing on the social, emotional, the wellness. We recognize the absolute need for it. So, Wow, that's phenomenal. I mean, because, you know, a lot of, you know, I'm just going to say, I know a lot of districts don't do that. So it's pretty awesome that here you have the ability to really incorporate that into the the education. Because I would imagine with the pandemic, we're probably not going to know how people have been affected by it for ages. I agree. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And again, like I mentioned, we also have parents that are willing to disclose what's happening with their child. And, as, and if they're, we, we know certain things, we see it. It helps when they also disclose what's going on so that we can provide layers of support for them. Yeah, I I mean, so, and I love, I keep going back to, you know, we want to understand what our students need because it's like, that is just the the root of everything is how can we help, right? (laughs) I agree, I agree. And then just like you, just remembering that it's going to be different for each child, so. Yes, let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Well, and that's what's so interesting to me, because I think especially in your position of equity and access, you have a lot of people saying with racial justice or, you know, whether it be social injustice or healthcare equity or whatever, you know, you can, you know, people start to put folks in boxes. They do. But at the, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like they look at me and they may see black, but I'm also Latina. And, you know, there's like so many different complexities to each person. Right. I agree. And that's something we focus on, too. And I'm glad that you brought that up. We're not just saying all Native American people this, all of our migrant ed students this, all of the Black kids this. or It's not like that. It's it's, if we're going to support each individual student, then we need to identify what the barriers are for those individual students and then provide them the support that they need. I'm in an equity leadership, an 18-month equity leadership program as well. And we talk about that all the time. You can't just say all the whatever. That's that's not what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it'll be nice when we get to the point where everybody sees each other for who they are, right? I, and I do, and I feel like it's I, 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 I. We are in a place where we've never been before, and the fact that these positions are popping up. I think last year in particular, COVID and racial injustice brought upon some necessary changes. And it doesn't mean that we didn't before do what we could for each individual student, but I just think there are some some changes needed to be made within our country. But I I agree, I've been at two conferences in the last few weeks and I, I keep being approached by people either that are newly in the position like me and or how can I get this started at my district? And so they're, you know, yeah, it's definitely a need. There's so and much I'm, work I'm, to I'm do. Look, there yeah. is. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to 
hosting some community forums for our parents. I One of my huge to-dos is I want to get onto those campuses. I, like, as I mentioned, I've been working with our school board members, but I, I want to get onto the Hispanic uh, leadership groups, the Black Student Unions, the AAPI group, like all the groups, the LGBTQ. It's not just, you know, I don't know, I just want to interact with all the students because there's data right there hearing from them. So I, I, I'm going to start planning those very, very, very soon. But I love hearing their voice. It's powerful. Yeah, I love the fact that you were talking about how the students are, you know, kind of advocating for themselves and really communicating what they need. Because I think with social media and with all the things that are going on with the digitization of, you know, America and the world, it's, it's awesome to hear when things like communication skills and, you know, that they, they are empowering themselves to really advocate for what they need. Yeah, our students have, um, there's been some concerns with, you know, dress codes. And our one of my executive directors appealed to all of the high school administrators and, and, and asked them to have their student board members lead conversations and activities with their students board members and I had the pleasure we have five comprehensive high schools and I've attended four out of the five high school meetings and it is so impressive I love these young adults and they facilitated these meetings I just took notes I was like I'm not a facilitator I'm here as your guest thank you for inviting me but they have facilitated these amazing meetings with their student bodies and have just done such a great job going through a democratic process. We will see what happens, you know, but it's just, it's been neat to watch them as leaders and just empower them through a process. So it's been, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. That was one of my things when I left my school and my students were like, what do you mean you're leaving? And I said, I will come and visit, but to be able to go from impacting a thousand, 1100 kids to 25, you know, working with, the entire district, it's neat because I wouldn't have had the opportunity to work with, you know, the high school st- uh, student board members and the students on those campuses and out on all the other campuses in our district. So I just find it a blessing because. Yes. And, you know, it's so fun because one of the things that I spend a lot of time talking to um, corporate, um, you know, diversity I- officers about is that partnership between, you know, kind of social impact and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and now even sustainability in terms of like, how are we impacting the community in which we operate on a much more significant level? So I love the fact that you guys are, are, you know, being creative and doing that. You're using oh, evidence-based quantitative metrics. Data always and, has to be attached. We're not just making stuff up, you know, it's right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sure. awesome. So how are you all, you know, or maybe you have some ideas in terms of measuring success for for what you're doing? Because I think sometimes it's quantitative, but I think there's also that qualitative aspect of it as well. That's right. I agree. So for example, so for my programs, I even I have a big colorful <laughs> whiteboard. Some of my programs, so say for example, like the social emotional learning, we just provided um, some trainings for our high school administrators. And I will look at the usage pre 
and then post the training to see if there is any growth or any an increase in usage. They just had a training to on the 8th, a few days ago. And so I'm going to follow up with them and say, do you guys need additional trainings? What's your plan to roll this out at your sites? You know, and I get how difficult it is, but again, our job is to do what's best for students. And so I, I'm going to be following up with them to see how I can support them. And even by looking at suspension data, then after the conversations have been had, I'll, I run it every 30 days then we need to look at and see, oh, okay, well, then it's gone down. And, and if not, then it might be something where a training needs to be put together. I just spoke with my director the other day and we talked about, you know, when we expel students, which is, well, it's it's definitely on the decline from years past. But if, you know, if you look at California Ed Codes, it's, you know, a fight is five days, another fight is 10 days, you're expelled. And so what we want to do is build in some structures where we can at least say that, okay, they... They, they got in a fight, but then we provided this intervention, 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 or prevention to the next fight that hopefully doesn't come. But you can, we can measure that. And I'm running, you know, I run that again, the discipline data monthly. I'm running the dress code data. I actually will run it. Um, we're just hitting the 60th day of school. Maybe it's the 30th. But every 30 days I run the data. So I need to run September to, excuse me, October to November to look at if the incidents since we've been having these conversations have gone down. So that's just a few examples. We also, my, my, my migrant kiddos are required to vacate the migrant camps from December 15th until March 15th. So in the past, they didn't always, they got packets. They didn't get instruction while they were gone. But now starting last year with COVID and we'll carry, we'll do it again this year. We have an independent study program where they get access to a teacher while they're in some of our families go to Mexico. They just, they, they have to vacate. And so while they're gone, we providing them instruction and then we can look at pre and post data to see, you know, if they're successful or not. So one of our things, and I love about my district is we are always doing, you know, monitoring um, for effectiveness. And if it's not working, then what can we do to change it? And there is a lot of collaboration that goes on between, especially my my department and or division in particular. And so we're always looking at what we're doing and if it's effective, and then what can we do to provide support so that the numbers move in a positive way for our students. And so like we got suspensions. Awesome. You know, we've got to provide, they're still kids. We got to provide them some supports to and some strategies and skills to not be out there fighting, you know, like different. Yes. You know, so you're not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes that fight is, you know, not even about that's the right. fight, right? That so. is correct. No, seriously, <laughs> that is correct. So um trying to, yeah, that's, yeah. that's in a nutshell, some of the ways that we look at data, but, but that's our charge is what we're doing. It does need to be evidence-based. We need to be monitoring it and looking at, you know, our data. That's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, what do you I mean? Is there anything else that you want to add for the, our listeners today in terms of your work in DEI? I mean, everybody, I think for me, DEI is everywhere. <laughs> everywhere I, I you look. That it's also in corporate, um, that it's an education. You know, not, I really just, for me, I just, it's a new position. I'm super excited. I And I obviously want to do amazing at all the things that I'm doing. And every time I hear one thing, it's like, oh my gosh, now there's this. So it's, it's, it's very exciting. I just 
you know, I really, the, the number one thing is that all of the steps that we're doing is to support our kiddos and supporting our teachers as they support the whole child. It's, it's just really not a one size fits all. And so I don't know, I'm just excited to continue to do the work. Awesome. Well, we are so grateful and thankful for you in this position. You You are doing wonderful things and we wish you continued success. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.